What is going on, online fitness coaches? Welcome to another episode of the Change Lives Make Money on the Trainer Podcast. This is the number one show for online fitness coaches who are trying to grow a successful online business. In today's episode, I'm joined by actually one of my homies that I look up to immensely in terms of the business coaching space, and also just like a really cool individual that introduced me to supercars, Mr. Dan Martel. What's up, dog? Brian, that was the most high energy intro start podcast ever, which means we're going to bring that throughout the whole thing. So let's do this. Bro, this is what I do, all right? I don't know if you've watched any of my live streams. I do, man. I was on your TikTok last night, and I was like, holy cow, Brian. You just have a way of like just speaking, and yes, I love it. You still got the bleached hair? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm like in the middle of it right now, so it's like half black, half blonde, so I need to- Get some roots. I can fully fully dye it, but we still got it, bro. We're rocking it. That's cool. It's a very distinct look. That's what I was going for. You know, it's actually funny. I was watched, uh, I was when I was on TikTok, there was a guy named Ryan Panita, which I'm sure you- know about Ryan I've heard of yeah he did a TikTok where he talked about when he started dyeing his hair he started making more money because his videos obviously were standing out in the algorithm it was like purple hair and then it was green hair and then those were leading to more real estate deals so I listened to that and I was like sign me up for that Makes a lot of sense I also heard I think it was Hermosi telling me that one of the OG marketers talked about like distinct facial hair like Mm -hmm. having like goatee or a big beard or like something about your like facial hair also is like a brand image anchor Mm -hmm. So I can see your color of your hair doing something similar. Even like, this is funny, but I was thinking about Steve Aoki the other day. And Mm. one of my favorite rappers is Dax. And he's had the same hair for years. And when I look at somebody like Hermosi, like in all of his videos, he looks the exact same. And so even if his Twitter, his little Twitter profile, it's like the same image on all platforms. And I think, I think it does make a difference. Totally. Do you even notice that Hermosi does this Mr. Beast, all the top YouTubers, like, you know, the impulsive they use the same face and change the expression, but it's the same face. What do you mean? Like it's even the same shirt. Like look at Alex's videos. They're all the same crop of his face in all the thumbnails. Sorry, I should have said the word thumbnails. I missed the word. Interesting. Yeah, it's just this anchor. Mr. Beast says the same thing. It's like the same face, different with other imagery. Yeah, me and my, my videographer have been arguing about this, but like custom thumbnails and like using the image from the video as the thumbnail. And he was like, no, and he showed me and I was like, oh, I can't argue with that, even though it feels weird. Okay, so I want to give my audience a little bit of a backstory on who you are. And I know that you just released your book, which I'm super, super stoked on. For those you guys that don't know who Dan Martell is, if you're my client, it's likely you've heard of him because he actually came to speak at the first ever PT Domination All Access event, which... Dude, that event, I had people talking about your speech for like months afterwards. And so why don't we do like a two to three minute backstory on Dan Martell, who you are, your backstory, your start in business. And I want you to brag about some of your accomplishments because I think that's going to give our audience some context on how high level you actually are. Well, um, I got to start kind of like why I do what I do and, and kind of how I got here. I actually grew up in a really crazy environment as a kid. I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was 11. My mom was an alcoholic, you know pretty big family of four, second oldest. And I just got into drugs when I was 13 and my life spiraled like crazy out of control. Right. And, you know, get to the point, I ended up in jail when I was 15, got out, told myself I was going to like change my friends, change my habits. I lasted a day. Right. And I got to a point where I had handgun in a backpack and I um, stole a car and I ended up in a high speed chase. And before I stole the car, I told myself that if I get pulled over, I was going to pull the gun out and let the cops, you know, take my life. And I ended up crashing in this like crazy high speed chase in this small town in Eastern Canada. I ended up smashing into this house. And when I went for the gun, it got stuck and I was pulling on it, pulling on it. And like, I was high and stuff, but like by the time, you know, the cops got there, like they opened the door, grabbed me, 
threw me in the back of the cop car and I woke up sober the next morning in a jail cell. And I don't know, something just, there was this meaning inside that told me that like, I wasn't supposed to die and that my life could mean something. And this, this wasn't any like grand plan. It was just like, okay, you got another chance. You got a second shot, like don't waste it. And I ended up in adult prison because of the severity of the crimes and trying to do my work. And, you know, eventually I got released to this rehab center after doing probably five, six months. I was there, ended up doing 11 months in a therapeutic community, a rehab center in Eastern Canada called Portage, this beautiful place. And it was crazy, man. It was like a personal development seminar for Mm -hmm. 11 months, right? It was like, feeling management groups, anger management, you know, they had this really cool philosophy where all the staff were ex-drug addicts from the adult program in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And it was like the first place where I I finally started to listen because these are people that had been through what I'd been through. And at the end of that program, I was helping Rick, one of the maintenance, well, the maintenance guy. He was like a big brother to me, clean out one of the old cabins because it was built on an old church camp. And in one of those cabins was, was this room and in the room was old computer and next to it, a yellow book on Java programming, this programming language This is 1997. Mm-hmm. And dude, I just opened it up and started reading it and followed the instructions for chapter one. And I got the computer to say, hello world. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. Like I, I lived, there was something about me. I was like, maybe I'm computer genius. Like maybe I'm so messed up, but there's this other part of my brain that is just like, because I never touched a computer before. It yeah, didn't make yeah. sense to me that I got this thing to do this. And whether it was right or wrong, I literally believed that. And I mm-hmm. went down this, this rabbit hole and just became, it became my new addiction. Honestly, mm-hmm. I just wrote code. I would step uh, on how old were you? When this, when this 17. 17, crazy. Yeah. And then for me, I've, I'd always been entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurial. Yeah. And, you know, my dad used to joke that if I could just find something that wasn't illegal, he thought maybe I'd do pretty good in life. <laughs> it wasn't wrong. I just, but so what happened was, is like, I leaned into the business side of like software and you know, what I've discovered since then is entrepreneurship is the ultimate personal development program, right? Mm. If you want more in your business, you have to become more. So I had this like positive new addiction. This is 97, yeah. 98. So like the internet, this thing called the internet kind of came to life. Yeah. And it just transformed everything. Now, it wasn't like this moment of like clarity and I've become this like Zen business person since then. There's been so many struggles along the years yeah. uh, that I, I write a lot about in the book. I like put my whole heart into that book and left it in there. But, you know, since then I've been super lucky to have uh, built and exited three companies. I became a multimillionaire when I was 27. I've invested in 50 plus software companies like Intercom and Hootsuite and Udemy and some of the big ones. So $4 billion companies. I now live an incredible quality of life. You know, you know, my family and my wife and my kids and just got a new puppy. And like, I'm just, you know, just crazy grateful. Like the, I run two eight figure companies, SAS Academy and high speed ventures as a CEO, you know, giving back in my community is a big part of my life working with at risk youth. So I'm just trying to live my philosophy. I got from my buddy Wes was this belief that our job here on earth is to become the best expression of ourselves and then share that with the world. Yeah. And that's just, that's like what drives me. That's, that's yeah. my mission. And that's, that's why this book is just part of that mission of like learning these hard lessons and then trying to teach them to other entrepreneurs. Yeah. I love it. So dude, first of all, so just for context, we're talking like over $10 million a year. This guy is, is worth, and you got two companies that are over 10 million. Oh yeah. Yeah. Personal net worth way more than that. I'm just telling you the companies I run today. That's so fucking cool. And guys, so I've talked about this on my podcast openly. I'm like, I only learn from people that I know are more advanced than me. And like, I'm very, I would say like, I have a lot of leadership qualities, but when it comes to like, when I'm around a bigger dog, I'm like, all right, <laughs> teach me your ways. So let's go 
back to the beginning stages of Dan's entrepreneur journey. And then I want to go more advanced. So let's talk about when you were first getting started, Dan, like what were some of the struggles that you personally faced as an entrepreneur getting your just business started off the ground? Because I feel like a lot of people that are listening in my audience are still working at the jobs that they don't like. And they're trying to get this, you know, they're trying to get something off the ground and they can't seem to figure it out and they have no idea where to start. Yeah. I mean, every mistake possible from not committing to one thing. That was like a big thing. You know, I meet people today. I'm like, so what do you do? And they're like, I'm a, I have a, you know, I have uh, several businesses. I look at them. They're like 19. I'm like, that means you have no businesses. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I made all those mistakes. I would say like the big one was just not being consistent. I wasn't, I was just always shiny object, always what's new, what's cool. And I just didn't pick something. And what I've discovered in life, if you don't pick a skill and become masterful at it and dedicate your life to it, and literally just say 10 years, like I'm going to pick one thing and become really great at it for 10 years. It could be personal training. It could be software code. It, it could be like becoming the best landscaping person. You just, you need to develop a skill, copywriter, salesperson, whatever. And if you dedicate the 10 years along that journey, you might have new opportunities, but most people aren't willing to make that dedication. You know, there's a fear of what if I pick wrong? What if this is not the thing that I'm going to end up loving to do for a long time? Mm -hmm. But the big thing for me, like the first two companies, like first one was maritime vacation. I failed. The lesson I learned there was like not choosing a big enough market. I literally you know, built a business around a market of like 300 bed and breakfasts. It was stupid, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then I did another company called NB Host where I actually brought my brother in to be like the face of the company because he was more, I, I actually used to be more introverted and not like sales person. It's funny, yeah. I'm like a software coder. And so he was that and I was the server software guy. Yeah. And the lesson I learned there was like, you know, don't sell a commodity. Like we were mm -hmm. selling stuff that there was no margins in. I mm -hmm. just, you know, I almost use the customer's contracts as a way to pay for like hardware and my geeky nerdy equipment and stuff, but no money to be made. And then the third company, like, yeah, I became financially successful, but that's where the buyback principle in the book came from because I literally built, you know, a multi-million dollar company at 27, 28 yeah. and came home one day on a Sunday to find my fiance at the time. We were about seven weeks away from getting married. And walk into the house and find her in the kitchen in tears. And she just says, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And takes the ring off, drops it on the counter and walks out. And that mm -hmm. was it. And it was and it was because you were working so much? Was that it? Working way too much, man. Yeah. I was working 100. I just, I had one gear. You know, you read all the books, hustle mentality. Like, I'm willing to do the work. Like, I don't know about you, man, but like, I've never not been willing to do the work. Yeah, like if you yeah. tell me this is what it is, I will do it. Yeah. What was challenging was I didn't have those people telling me in the early days. Yeah. Uh, when I started my third company, the big move I made is I hired a coach. I actually hired an e-myth coach. I read the book, The E-Myth, yeah. hired an e-myth certified coach, this guy named Bob. And that was like a game changer. It's like, yeah. how are people building companies without a coach? You're like, you are literally not very intelligent if you don't. And now that's just <laughs> yeah. my life, right? Any yeah. outcome I you want. First yeah. question, I hire the person that's been there, done that. Yeah. Give me the playbooks. Give me the blueprints. Yeah. I'm not wasting my time. Mm -hmm. So that moment essentially like caused me to reflect because like financially and, and like what's crazy is I think four months later, I sell my company. Yeah. And like here I was, my whole identity was tied up in this like relationship with my fiance in this life, this external world that looked perfect. And, and I lost it all. Like, I mean, it was such a weird moment to have millions of dollars in a bank account and have nobody to share it with. Yeah. And I was like, this is not success. This is yeah. not. And how can I be so strong, dominant, successful in this business space and be such a clueless, 
idiot when it comes to relationships. Like yeah. even my friends, I kind of went back to my like my buddies and I was like, hey man, like where did I go wrong? And they were like, Dan, do you not see yourself? And I'm like, what do you mean? They go, you came to my birthday party with a laptop and you sat on the couch blue facing the whole night. I go, yeah, but dude, I, I didn't want to miss it. He goes, great. You came. You weren't there. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. real talk. So yeah, I just went on this journey of like how, cause I'm not going to stop. Like I'm here to, to create something big, magical, an empire. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, I also have a desire and know I can, if I learned how to have an incredible relationship with my wife and, and being a great father and all these other things. Yeah. So that's where this like journey and reading and hiring the people and going to the seminars and like, you know, getting things done by David Allen. Like I got really good at being productive. I got really crappy at leverage. Mm. And that's where, to me, the buyback principle is just such a core fundamental to how I coach, how I execute, how I lead companies I'm involved in, because it's the only way that literally creates more capacity as you grow. And if you don't, you hit what's called the pain line. And the pain line is this place where you have opportunities to grow, but you know that those opportunities are going to mean chaos in your calendar, right? Yeah. So, and usually when entrepreneurs hit that pain line, entrepreneurs will not grow into pain. It's so funny, bro. I literally say that. I, that's been a quote specifically. If you listen to my podcast, you'll hear that. I agree. I want to kind of jump in here for a second because there's a couple of things that you touched on that I don't want to forget and I want to nail them home. There's three things that you said that I think every entrepreneur needs getting started. And that's number one, being fucking consistent. Because a lot of you individuals that are listening to this podcast struggle with just the, the act of consistency. Posting on a regular basis on social media is like, it's just as normal as brushing your teeth if you want to be a successful online entrepreneur, straight up. Like you don't exist if you don't post. The second thing that you said, and I think it's super important, is if you're not getting the blueprint, what the fuck are you doing? Like there are so Trial many- and error and wasting Dude, your time. Trial and error, but people are spending time which is a significantly more valuable resource than spending money. So somebody will have a little bit of money in their bank account and they would rather spend years of their life trying to figure it out, which is something they'll never get back than spend the money in their bank account. Where for me, I'm like, my, that's like a number. Like it's like, that's a number that'll come and a number that'll go. So I think that like hiring a coach is important. But the third thing that you said that I resonate with on a very deep level is you're like, I will put in the work. And that's those three things, being consistent, getting the right coach and putting in the fucking work will lead you to the place that you want to get to, which is $10,000 a month for my audience that's listening. But then you're going to get to a point, and now we're going to talk to the mastermind because there's some mastermind students that are listening. You're going to get to a point where you start making 10 to 20 grand a month and you can no longer take on any, like at the end of the day, there's obviously you can optimize your time, but there's only so efficient that you can get. And then you're going to look at your calendar and no matter how much time you optimize, you're still working 16 to 18 hours a day. And I got to that point as well, where I was like, when I was growing my online coaching business, I had seven trainers that worked for me and I was only making 20% profit, which was dumb. I've talked about that in the past. Plus, I had 50 of my own clients to service. Plus, I was in a relationship. Plus, I was trying to take care of my fitness goals. So, like, I literally would wake up, Dan, at, like, 530 in the morning, and I would be working all the way until 8 o'clock at night. And then I'd go to bed. And if I stopped working at any point, I'd fall behind. And then I got to a point where even when I worked for a full 18 hours, I still wasn't able to keep up. And the workload kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I just straight up had, like, a meltdown. So, the idea that you can't grow into pain hits me on a very deep level because I've experienced it. And that's one of the things that we do talk about in the mastermind is like, you need to put people beneath you and you need to like coach these people and teach these people how to do the things that you no longer want to do or no longer wish to do. And I think that's something that you're good at. And for some context, guys, with Dan Martell, I talked to my team about this the other day. I'm like, Dan Martell literally came to my last event, came in at 
1.30 p.m. for a speech with a fucking professional videographer following him around. Came in, did the speech, dropped a bomb, left it for, at like 45 minutes. And everything wasn't even set up by him. Like his assistant set up the whole thing. So I think that that's something that you've like mastered is this idea of like leverage and not just hustle yourself, but being able to like leverage other individuals for your coaching business. Well, the reality of it is, is $10 million companies are not built off $10 tasks, right? Mm-hmm. And like, most write that people down. Don't, $10 million yeah. companies are not built off a $10 task. It's impossible. It's pure physics. It's called a first principle for a reason. You know, you can't deny it. So it's like, then it's all about leverage. So then there's only four ways to get leverage. You know, I got this from Naval Ravikant. Alex Ramosi actually helped me, or he's the one that re recoined them with four C's, but it's capital, code, content, and collaboration. Those mm. are the only four ways you can get leverage. Just wanted to take a quick minute to say, I want to change your life. If you're listening to this podcast, then you know that I have what it takes to help you grow a successful online coaching business. So go to my Instagram, at TheRealBrianMark, and DM me the words, more clients. I'll reach out to you, and we'll talk about what your biggest struggle is. We'll talk about what your goals are for your online coaching business, and I'll give you some guidance and a game plan for what to do next. Again, go to my Instagram, at TheRealBrianMark, and DM me the words, more clients, and I'll reach out to you to see if I can help. Now let's get back to today's episode. Let's hear about all of them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you about collaboration because that's the buyback principle, right? right? But like everything else is productivity and like content, obviously you get a lot of leverage with okay. but like coding capital. Those are kind of more, you know, they're, they're not that advanced. Like code is software. So it's like yeah. buying a CRM software. Those are leverage right. points. But like collaboration, you know, is about then deploying dollars for labor. Mm. Most people do it wrong. So buyback principle states, you don't hire to grow your business. You hire to buy back your time. You don't hire Always. to grow your business. You hire to buy you back hire your to time. buy back your time. Yeah, it's calendar over capacity. Most people mess it up. And so what happens is if you hire people to add capacity, you just added more to your calendar. So then what will happen is at a certain point, usually 12, 13 employees, but 1.2, 1.3 million in revenue, you get to this, this ceiling, this pain line, because you wake up managing other people and then you think you're going to get work done and you don't. And then by the time you like help everybody else get their stuff done, then you got to go work on your stuff. And then you're working till 11 o'clock at night and you didn't buy back any time. You just added a bunch of people you now need to manage. Whereas the way I do it is, and I do this every day, I audit my calendar and anything. And once you know what your buyback rate is, and I talk about this in the book, but everybody has a value that their time is worth. Anything you do that you can't pay somebody else less money than what your time's worth is mathematically not very smart because you could take that time to go work on something that would make more money for you, right? And that's the nuance <laughs> in this principle. Yeah, just let me pick my brains up before that's lit. Yeah. So I have this thing called the replacement ladder because people are like, okay, well, how does that look in concept? It's very simple. Level one replacement is usually an administrative assistant, right? It's people that do, and it can look like a bunch of different ways, but it's somebody that takes care of you and the business administratively. And it could be your, could be like an office manager, it could be an executive assistant, virtual assistant. Essentially, and the two outcomes that I always get my clients to do, these are like non-negotiables. Like what does it mean to have level one done? Your email and your calendar are 100% managed by somebody else. And there's systems in the book that I teach around how to do email GPS and, and create processes so you don't feel like things are getting out of control and you can still do your chats and your sales and all that stuff. But that's level one. The next level, level two, is delivery. It's hiring people to help support the delivery. Now, you still may be the coach, but somebody else can onboard, answer support questions and schedule with the clients, right? So that could be an administrative assistant unless they're really busy. And then you find the delivery side. So like if your business is in sales, 
having somebody do the sales qualifying and the onboarding of a new client so that you just do the selling, that's an example of delivery, right? So that's level two. Level three is usually buying back your time in the area of marketing. It could be part-time, but hiring somebody wakes up every day that moves your marketing forward. You still shoot the videos, but somebody else should be responsible for editing, processing, publishing, uploading, blah, 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 right? So like having somebody dedicated, the outcomes there is campaigns and traffic. Somebody should be looking at the traffic and planning campaigns for the year and working with you creatively to collaborate. But somebody should wake up every day to manage that because if not, your business is spiky. It goes good when you're marketing and then get busy and then it drops down as you do delivery and then it comes back up and down. This is what entrepreneurship roller coaster looks like. Level four is sales. It's usually the last thing you should have somebody buy back your time on because nobody will ever sell like you. And people that think you are like, here's a reality. 80% done by somebody else is 100% fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Period. Full stop. And the expectations that anybody else will do it as good as you is ridiculous. Lower your expectations, but give it up when your calendar, like when my calendar, when I started my coaching business, I think it took like maybe five, six months where all of a sudden now, like 30 hours a week was just on sales calls. It's like, okay, I'm going to hire a salesperson. I'm going to have them listen to my calls. And I have this whole framework called the camcorder method I teach. But now somebody else is doing sales calls. The things they're owning is the calls in the fall. Just that alone, you know, follow-up, which CEOs hate doing, bringing forward speed to first calls. Like my sales team, it's like, Brian, you could introduce me to somebody as a referral and immediately they're on a call in two hours with somebody. If I was doing the sales call, maybe on Thursday, right? Three, four days from now. Just the velocity increase of having somebody else that you can route that to, to get that process doing. And then level five is, is where you start to feel flow. And this is the beauty. Because if you have somebody else marketing, selling and onboarding, you now actually have a business that makes you money while you're sleeping. Yeah. And that is a beautiful place. But level five is leadership. And this is when you start to look at the core functions of your business and the five executives you should have and start buying back the, what I call the strategy and the outcomes. You need to delegate strategic decisions and performance and outcomes and hold people to those standards. Again, each level of this requires a level of leadership development, but that level five is when you get to a place of, you know, business maturity that just feels like you've actually built an asset. See, most people are running around building these companies, but they're not worth anything as an asset. They just generate cash. I want it to generate cash and be an asset, right? Like my coaching company, Brian, I don't know if you know this, but like if Dan gets hit by a bus tomorrow, nothing changes. The team gets to come to work. Everything happens. Like I'm not the face of the company. I don't drive the marketing. We have coaches and marketing partners and all this stuff. And like, they're not allowed to use my name in sales conversations and all the delivery. Now I still show up for my events. I do two sessions out of the two days, but there's like 10 sessions. The business keeps moving forward because we took the time to build the system that becomes the asset. And I think that's just a powerful vision for entrepreneurs to have. Wow. I'm like floored. There's so much growth here. So I'm curious about level five because selfishly, I feel like I'm on level five. So you're talking about higher, like you've got people in certain places and you're talking about outsourcing certain outcomes and delegating certain outcomes at the level five stage. So I'm curious, selfishly, I'm going to ask for myself because I feel like that's the level that PT Dom is at. We've got, you know, everything that you've explained we've got. The only thing that I feel like we're missing is perhaps somebody to help me with my marketing. And I don't know if it's like, again, this is something that you might be able to attack is like, I feel like I'm the best marketer on the team. So. So I have a hard time. Thinking. And you are, right? Yeah. Like this is the Gary V thing versus a Richard Branson, right? Yeah. Like there's different ways of doing it. Gary has a team of 
20, 30 people. He probably has a payroll of two or 3 million a year. He spends on team Gary to execute his marketing. Right. And, and he uses what I call the 10, 80, 10 rule, which is as a CEO, you should be involved in the first 10%, let the team execute the 80% and then come back for the integration in the last 10%. Right. That's how we create leverage. This is what Steve Jobs did with Johnny Ives. You know, they would come into the design studio. They would collaborate and talk about ideas. Johnny and his team would go out there and build prototypes and test stuff and research. And then, then Steve would come in and look at like all these different things and they would present stuff to him. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you are dependent on the marketing, then the business will always be dependent on you. That's a decision you have to make. Will marketing work as well? No, but there's ways over time to introduce other characters into your business so that it's not dependent on one character, mm. right? And, or you create like a Colonel Sanders KFC style where it's like, there's this like origin story of a person but they're no longer involved in regards like Stephen Covey would be a great example, right? When people buy Covey training, Stephen Covey's not showing up anywhere. So he's not even alive, right? But that was true even when he was alive. Mm. So it's like, there are ways to create brands that are standalone, that are not personality driven. They're not as profitable. I'll be honest with you, Brian, like there's a trade-off, but the value of the asset is Higher. five, six. Yeah, it's yeah. an asset. It's yeah. not an asset if it requires people to run. Well, yeah. A business is yeah. valuable when, they buy it for, you know, 30, 40 million and it generates X amount of percent per year as a machine, right? Yeah. That's what makes it an asset. So yeah. it's kind of like knowing that and just like systematically attacking that every year to get closer to it, than just keep going through the same motion without that vision. Well, yeah, that makes sense because if you were to go through that same motion and you weren't to improve year over year, which is I'm setting the intention that every year we're going to get better at it right now. And then in 10 years time from now, let's say like, this is, I, I'm the type of person I can literally see myself holding my breath for 10 years, if that's what it takes to get to the level that I want to get to. But in, let's say in 10 years time from now, I'm like, I want, like, I want to sell PT Dom. Like if I'm the number one person that people go to and I leave, they're like, well, then. Here's the question I would suggest then is what would need to be true for the business to grow without Brian involved within five years? What would need to be true for the what? business to grow? without Brian Mark involved in five years. And what happens is when we ask these questions is it helps and ask the team, like next time you do an executive offsite, just be like, you know, Tony Robbins calls it the t Tony not needed TNT or Tony not there. That's what it was called. It was actually a strategy that I first heard with him. But like we ask ourselves the question every year, like three years ago, and then we just kept working towards it. That's where sasacademy.com came from. That's where the whole team structure, that's where the coaches came from. Like, because we asked the question and it wasn't because, and I had remind them like, I'm passionate about this. I'm not going anywhere. I may not be needed, but I will be used. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. I want the business to grow if I'm here or not. So that if something happens to me, nobody has to go find another job. So that's just smart, right? Mm -hmm. A business that you can sell is a great business to operate. Mm -hmm. So that's my question to you is like, ask that question every year, make a list of what needs to be true and just keep attacking it. And over time, it might take you 10 years. It may take you only three, but it's a better business to operate that doesn't require you to do anything specific so that you can show up at your zone of genius. And that's an amplification of your, your impact than a necessity. Mm, powerful. So talk to me a little bit about the book, dude. So I've known you for not a long time, I would say two years. And you know, you recently got super passionate and you decided that you were going to do write a book. And I'm curious about you know what was the inspiration? Because again, that's something that I think a lot, there's people that in my podcast audience, I would love to read a book. And I know that you're the type of person that not only are you going to, you know, write 
your book, but you're going to make sure that it's a bestseller because I feel like that's in your nature. So talk to me about what inspired that because I'm sure that wasn't a small decision. No, I mean, you know, first book I ever read, I was 23 called Love is a Killer App. It's literally going to be 20 years next year, which is fun. I'm actually going to do a co-book signing with the author. This guy. Oh, that's Kim. cool. Yeah, yeah. Just like the power because like he yeah. got me into reading that got me inspired to eventually write a book. Took me a while because like, you know, I didn't want to write a book just because, right? Like a lot of people say you shouldn't. I think you should. Like actually it was probably not the smartest strategic decision to not have a book in the business categories I was in. But what happened was, is my buddy Ron called me up one day and he follows my YouTube stuff. And he goes, dude, because I have about 500 growth playbooks. Like I have 500 different frameworks for scaling and growing companies that I've just developed over the last you know six, seven years. And I put most of them out for free on my YouTube channel. And he's like, you're one of the only YouTube channels that I religiously watch that like you need a book. Like there's too much here. You know, he had written two books. He's an incredible author, Ron Friedman. And it's funny because buyback principle at its best. I said, here's the deal, Ron. I don't have time to take on another project, but if you become the book CEO and you bring me your whole team and we execute together, then I'll do the book. And that's how it literally, that's how it came <laughs> to be. So Again, buy back your time. I didn't have time. I knew I needed a book. I wanted to write a book. I needed leverage. He knew the blueprint. So I did the deal with Ron, his literary agent, Lucinda, and they took care of everything. Like, dude, it was awesome. I literally worked on the thing that only I could do, which is, you know, the book proposal. And they worked on like shopping it around, et cetera. We got an incredible advance from Penguin. So like traditional publisher, bidding war, everything. And then I took two and a half years to write it and like rewrote it probably three times, like serious editing, serious research. I want it to become a bestseller. I want it to be a perennial seller, evergreen, and fundamentally be the thing that people like kind of how the e-myth was the thing for like repeatable process in a French. I want it to be like when somebody's talking to their buddies struggling and like, I can't find time. I can't find time. It's like, go read this book, buy Mm -hmm. back your time. Like Mm -hmm. you read that and you do that, then this won't be a problem. Because mm. it's it's mathematically proven. You just can't mess it up if you all this, follow the steps. So I just got super passionate about it. And it's been something I've been teaching for a decade, right? Like I've been investing in companies since I was 26. Yeah. I'm 42 now. So I've been investing and in teaching this stuff for a long time, systems, yeah. processes. But even being able to sit down and codify a path towards the implementation and refining some of the, the stories and the stuff, it was, it's just been a real fun process. That's cool. That's very cool. I love that. That's super inspiring. The reason I love talking to you, bro. So can you tell my podcast audience how old you are? Yeah, I'm 42. So I feel like I want to be you when I'm 42 and you're 10 years ahead of me. So you should be way further ahead than me when you're 42, dude. You have way more energy. Like this is a fun thing is I appreciate that super kind, right? But like even personally, like my personal mindset, like I want you to be the fully expressed version of Brian Mark at 42, right? Right. And I think it's actually bigger. And this is what's cool about it, right? You know, in the book, I talk about this thing called the 10X vision, right? Like these four quadrants to get crystal clear because most people can't take action because they don't even have clarity, right? It's like, what do I do? It's like, I'm going to help you get clarity in the book. And the reason why is there's this one quadrant, it's the empire. It's why the subtitle of my book is and build your empire. This isn't a four hour work week type book. Like I want to work with the people that actually want to dominate. Yeah. Okay. And the empire one's fun for me because, so Warren Buffett talks about three levels of luck. There's normal luck, like winning the lottery. Yeah. There's work hard, get lucky, which a lot of us talk about. And then there's tip of the spear luck, which is when you're the best at what you do, you get introduced to other people's luck. 
So you get level two luck from other people in the world bring to you because Uh you're the authority. And why that's relevant to the empire side and why you can do way more than I've done at 42. And how old are you, Brian? 31. Yeah, yeah, you got plenty of time. Is the empire side is all about people, relationships, and opportunities. It's actually no longer about hard work. Mm. It's not sequential. Yeah. So when you start to create the business that generates the tip of the spear in the industry, the cash flow, the resources of the team, then you will be introduced to other people that will bring you into other opportunities, then multiply your environment. And that that's where I really want people to buy back their time in their current business yeah. to have the space to even have those conversations. Cause most yeah. of them, literally the person that could introduce them to a billion dollar opportunity. I mean, this is true for me and my investments was sitting next to me. But if I was so in my head about what I have to do today, that I didn't have time to like lift my head up, breathe a little bit, look to the person on my left and introduce myself. Yeah. You would miss those. Yeah. And that's where the opportunity going forward as you buy back your time, it actually is exponential growth, not mm-hmm. linear. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Okay. I've got two more questions. So question number one is you are very active on all social media platforms. You're active on Instagram. You're active on Facebook. You're active on TikTok. You're active on YouTube. Dan Martell, by the way, guys, if you haven't looked him up, what inspired you to get super like on top of your social game? It's that belief that my responsibility is to become the best version of me and then share me with the world. Hmm. That's simple. I want to share myself with the world. I share, I share it all publicly. I don't hold anything back. There's no like, I'll give them 80% and keep the 20% for clients or my friends or anything. I just like, I put it out there and I try to get better at it. I look at it as a craft communication leadership. And then it was also a game for me to try to figure out like, how can I do more without eating into my personal time and breaking commitments I've made with my, my wife or my kids or whatever. So it's like that process of building a media team to be able to like, you know, create content. Like I have two cameras recording me right now, right? Mm -hmm. Everything I do is content. And then the team takes that and repurposes and does what they want. And that's how we've built like a half million followers on TikTok. And you know, we got about a million followers across all social accounts. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like get rich. Like I'm not, my content, if you follow it, it's very like, it's kind of operational in nature. Mm-hmm. I try to make it interesting. I try to make it fun. But I also know that I'm not telling people like, here's how to make a hundred million dollars. So it doesn't have the same distribution, I think, as it could. But that's just true to who I am. That's mm-hmm. the Dan Martell brand, right? Mm-hmm. It also means I get invited to join boards of very successful companies because, you know, there's a level of finesse that Mm. I'm able to bring. So, yeah, I just think anybody, I think it's super selfish, honestly, of people that know how to do something that they don't share with the world. Mm. I literally called my, uh, I won't say who, but I called a family member this morning, not like immediate family, but in my family, because they sent me a message. They're like, listen to this podcast. And I called them and I go, look, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you. If you send me something to listen to that you didn't share first with your audience, then you are selfish and you need to stop that. Call me crazy, Brian, but it bugs me because if it resonated enough with you to think I'm going to send this to Dan, then what? You want me to share it with my audience? No, dude, you do it. Don't be so selfish. Like, don't worry about your hair, your voice. I've got a freaking nasal infection right now. I sound like I got a cold. Like, don't let anything stop you from giving yourself to the world. That is what we're here to do. That's every human journey is to become the fully expressed version of themselves and share that with the world. Yeah. So, it. so it's selfish if they don't. I agree. 
Okay, last question. You know a little bit about my intricacy of my business. We've talked and my podcast audience has been following me forever. So this would be good. If you could give me one piece of advice to help me get to the next level, what would it be? I would do a time and energy audit with you. Hmm. It's in the book. So that's the good news. But a time and energy audit is literally evaluating where you're spending your time and what things bring you, what types of energy. And then what we do is we literally use that to create the hit list of things that we have to get out of your calendar and and then talk about how to fill it, right? Like, so the buyback loop is all about audit, transfer, and fill. So that's, to me, I'm all about process. The process gets a result. So there's mm-hmm. no one thing. I would start with that. I think it would become very evident to you and I quickly, oh, here's the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And now let's talk about how do we transfer it? And then what do we go fill it with, right? Mm-hmm. And fill is only skills, mindset, or relationships. Those are like mm-hmm. the three big things. Other mm-hmm. than doing more of the thing in your business that makes you a lot of money today right? Mm. Which could be sales, coaching, training, whatever it is for the person. But that's, that's literally the first thing I do with every one of my coaching clients, Mm. energy and time audit. Mm. I love it. Okay, bro. Tell us about the book. Where do we get it? Tell, give me buybackyourtime.com. Go check it out. That's where you want to buy it from. It links off to all the major retailers, but I also have a ton of templates, tools, and, and stuff that you can download if you go to the site and then just submit your receipt. And then follow me, my favorites in Instagram stories. So if, if you guys want, you can find me on all socials, TikTok, et cetera. But Instagram stories is kind of where I show the implementation in my life of how I execute these playbooks. Like, you know, Betty, who just brought me a coffee, our house manager, you know, that's, there's advanced co- concepts that I talk about in the last chapter around buy back your life that I think would really inspire people to like, go like, oh shit, there's a whole nother level to this. It's not just in the business side, it's in the life side. And it can bring a lot of magic to people's lives. Boom. Buybackyourtime.com, guys. Go get the book right now. And where do they find you on social media if they want to follow you? DanMartel.com, 2Ls and Martel on all socials. YouTube. Boom. Guys, also just a quick side note. For those of you guys that are in my Million Dollar Mastermind, I just want to let you guys know that Dan Martel will be speaking at our event on Sunday. So if you just got a lot of value from this episode, then you're going to need to meet the man in person. That is it. That is all. I hope you guys have the best day of your entire life. Chase your dreams. Let's go. 